the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Well, welcome once again to the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. We do this show every weekend on WTLN. That's AM 950 in Orlando. And uh, we always are very pleased when you join us. Uh, Jeffrey Sennis is our engineer, does this each weekend for us. And Andrew Herdliska produces the show. And in the first half hour, Johann Christoph Arnold is with us. His book is called Rich in Years. Finding Peace and Purpose in a Long Life. Plow is the publisher. And uh, from his home in upstate New York, Johann Christoph Arnold is with us. How are you, Johann? I'm so glad you can join me. Uh, Very well. I'm looking forward to this interview. Rich in Years, Finding Peace and Purpose in a Long Life. Uh, The first chapter, Johann, is simply called Growing Older. Uh, what, What are you teaching us there? What are you saying? Uh, uh, correct, you know, there, there comes <clears throat> the time I've experienced it myself. You are in your youth, and then come the 40s and the 50s, and you don't want to accept that you're growing older. And uh, then suddenly you realize that physically uh, you can't do as much as you used to, and that your attitudes have to change and that you better start listening to God and really asking God uh, how one can best serve him with declining physical capabilities. Now I want you to talk about the second topic, accepting changes. Yes, uh, like I said before, uh, Brother Pat, you know, old age, old age creeps up <clears throat> on on everyone. And <clears throat> when when we realize we we are really now on the home stretch in this world, uh, we try to do our utmost every day, um, you know, taking walks and things like that to to keep your physical health. But what is then important that your interest and love in your fellow men increases and that you can see where you can serve, where you can encourage, and where are other people hurting, where you can say a word of, of comfort. So that is meant by accepting um, changes. And, you know, what is important there, too, is humor. <clears throat> you know, uh, Pete Seegers was a friend of mine. He said, old age is golden, and so I've heard it said, but sometimes I wonder as I crawl into bed with my ears in a drawer and my teeth in a cup, my mm-hmm. eyes on the table until I wake up. <laughs> and that kind of humor to get other people laughing will help yourself to, to, to meet what God has in mind for you. Johann Christoph Arnold is our guest. Interesting background. He was born in Britain in 1940 to German refugees. He spent his boyhood years in South America, where his parents found asylum during the war. Then he immigrated to the United States in 1955. Johann and his wife, Verena, have eight children, 42 grandchildren. And yep. one great-grandchild. They live in upstate New York. Boy, what a brood. Isn't that something, Johan? How about those grandchildren? My they, goodness. They, they're great. By the way, uh, another one was born. Her name is Ava. So it's 43 grandchildren and one great-grandchild. 
Shot. And Pat, I read your <clears throat> biography. You love children. And I thank God for that. It's beautiful. Yeah, we. And, uh, uh, I, 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 I'm so happy each time I meet a person or a couple that love and treasure children so much. You know, when you, when you love and treasure children, then you love and treasure also old people because it is a continue, continuation of life. Well, and you, you and I, Johan, are exactly the same age. Uh, is that right? Yeah, we were born in, we're, we're products of 1940. Exactly, um, exactly. That was quite a time. See, it was the um, beginning of World War Two, and um, I, I landed up in Paraguay, South America. I was only half a year old hmm. when, when we traveled the ocean, and so I grew up in Paraguay, and that was quite quite fascinating. It was a different world, but I'm but I'm happy to be in the United States. I'm sure, Pat, you can sense my German accent, and I hope people will forgive me. Well, Johan, I spent three years in high school taking high school German. Now look at that. So, uh, you know, I, I remember a little bit of it. That is great. Ich bin, du bist, wir sind, ihr sagt. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> now let's move on. We've talked about growing older. We've talked about accepting changes now I want you to teach us about combating loneliness. You know, um, uh, feelings of emptiness um, and loneliness affect each one of us. But then there's also a longing to live in community. You know, when God created man, he did not make, he didn't create him to be a hermit. Uh, he, he wanted people to be in relationship with one another, and it is this that brings fulfillment and purpose to be with people, to uh, interact with people, to encourage people, especially children. Children are the best thing that any culture has, and we have to invest in children. One of my other books is called, you know, Why Children Matter?, and it's actually, uh, now I write about old age, it's just a continuation of life, isn't, isn't it, Brother Pat? Yeah, that's interesting. Very interesting. Now, let's talk about finding purpose. That's the next top topic you get into, Johan. Hang in there. Finding purpose. Yes. That is a beautiful chapter, very, very important chapter, because this is what we face. And then the question is, how can I make my last years more enjoyable, more exciting? And I raise a question. Wouldn't it be a better question of asking, how can God use my last days for his purpose? And Brother Pat, perhaps God can use us best when we give instead of receiving. Because old age provides many unique opportunities to give, no matter what one's circumstances. I've seen countless times how, how people my age do important things, like grandmothers holding families together and Oh, there's there many, many things I could tell what older people are doing in service of their community. And now, keeping faith. That's the fifth topic here, Johan. Yeah, keeping faith. That is so important. And, and that is dependent on, um, on, on, on a relationship, you know, on, on a relationship with God. And with prayer, you know, <clears throat> as we grow older, Pat, we inevitably become more infirm. This also brings discomfort, frustration, and physical pain, mental anguish. Nobody likes to suffer, and we all do our best to avoid it. But in this world, there is simply a lot of suffering and much sin. We cannot escape it. Now, Brother Pat, if we try too strenuously 
to avoid illness and pain, we will miss out on an important aspect of aging, and that is the redemptive power of suffering. My guest is Johann Christoph Arnold. We're talking about his book. It's called Rich in Years, Finding Peace and Purpose in a Long Life. Uh, my name is Pat Williams. We do this show every weekend on WTLN. That's AM 950 in Orlando. And we're always thrilled when you join us. Uh, we will be right back. Uh, we pause for these messages. And uh, then we're going to continue our discussion. Author Johann Christoph Arnold from his home upstate. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Everybody is Pete Paquette, your morning host here at the new 950 WTLN. And I'd like to welcome back a computer program here on the weekends, very familiar to our listeners. It's Tech Talk and more, Saturday afternoons at 4, from Palm Tree Computer Systems and Jinx IT. They are the experts on any problem you might be having, downloads, uploads, software, hardware. You've got questions? These experts have the answers. And you never know when you could win something pretty cool. It's Tech Talk and more, now Saturday afternoons at 4, on the new 950 WTLN and WTLN.com. Dr. Robert Burke, Mayo Clinic trained, board certified cardiologist with a message to all men over 30. Man boobs. Well, it's not the clinical term, but it's what my male patients call it. If you're storing fat around your chest, stomach, and love handles, it's not healthy, and chances are it's not your fault. It could be your hormones. As men age, our bodies produce estrogen, a female hormone that can cause flabby chests and bellies, love handles, weak muscle tone, lower energy, and poor sexual performance. I tell my patients, try a regimen before considering shots, patches, and drugs. I formulate a regimen to power up natural testosterone. More importantly, it helps slow estrogen to help you regain that youthful, muscle-toned guy you used to be. Try a 30-day supply absolutely free. Just pay shipping and handling. Get your free 30-day supply now at RepairLowT.com or call 1-800-777-9291. 800-777-9291. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Regimen is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your hosts, Dr. Daniel Forbes and Dr. John Brooks. Families by Designs airs every Sunday at 9 p.m., That's Families by Design on the new 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Johann Christoph Arnold is our guest. Uh, we're talking about his book, Rich in Years, Finding Peace and Purpose in a Long Life. Um, I want you to talk about this topic next, Johan, living with dementia. You know, Brother Pat, that is probably, possibly the most important chapter because there are so many seniors, beloved brothers and sisters in the faith that have served their community all their life and suddenly they're losing their mind. And that can be terrifying for family members. And it is here where the church or the community comes in is to help and support and to to reassure um, uh, family members when a, a beloved father or mother is hit with dementia or Alzheimer's. You know, a disorder like Alzheimer's needs to be faced with patience and love in a family setting and and not in a hospital or hospice uh, situation. Uh, I feel that um, quite, quite strongly. Um, In my lifetime, I've worked a lot with people who have Alzheimer's, and they they are beautiful people. you know, a friend of mine said the following, if somebody wants to learn how to serve, let them care for somebody who has Alzheimer's. If somebody wants to learn compassion, let them be with people who have Alzheimer's because there is nothing more wonderful and rewarding than to receive their love 
when you make them feel understood in every regard. And <clears throat> that is quite a challenge, but a very, very rewarding one. And what is important, Brother Pat, is we teach our children and young people to interact with the seniors, especially, especially people in that situation where quite often all you can do is to hold somebody's hand and reassure. And I found that prayer goes a long way, that when you pray with old people and, you know, people who are not able to express what is really on their heart, to reassure them and ask them, uh, can we pray together? And usually the longing to have a prayer is received very, very positively. And then quite often the tears roll down the cheeks of older people just to find out that, that there is somebody who cared for them. My guest is Johann Christoph Arnold. We're working through the 11 chapters of his book, Rich in Years. By the way, uh, Johann, uh, you had endorsers for previous books. I am just amazed. Okay. Nelson Mandela, Pope Benedict XVI, Mother Teresa, J.I. Packer. Wow. Yeah, I, I, uh, thanks to God, uh, I was able over my years to meet personally with them. You know, like I, uh, Benedict, Pope Benedict and Meritus, I always called him uh, Brother Benedict. Because we we had that relationship, and and he appreciated it. He was a very very loving and considerate man, and I often I often think of him. And I'm following closely uh, Pope Francis, who says fascinating things about the aged that actually go very much together with with what uh, I am trying to express. So um, for me. It has been a privilege to meet these people. And Brother Pat, you know, Mother Teresa, I'm a big guy. I'm 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, and Mother Teresa was a tiny woman. And when I shook her hand, I really had to bend down low. And it, it, it was beautiful. She had such a spark in her eye and incredible dignity. And you felt really he, he was a person that loved and served God, and she was old already. A real inspiration to me. Mm. Let's talk about moving forward. That's the next topic. Yes, moving um, uh, forward. You know, many old people, in a certain way I can say that includes me, you know, who promise when they're young, or when I'm old, I, I'm going to keep on fighting until I'm, uh, until I'm dead. That's, that is a great attitude, you know. Brother Pat, I read in your biography that you're a marathon runner, and, uh, you know, this approach to keep on talking is actually beautiful. But then the time will come when uh, you realize uh, that you don't have much longer. And what one needs to do is to take pause and and also pray with God and say, God, show me, show me what is most important for me. How can I serve my uh, fellow man best with, with my limited uh, capabilities? And, you know, Martin Luther King, who had the, the joy of knowing personally, he said something very, very good and encouraging for old people. He said, if you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. And if you can't walk, then call. But at all means, keep moving. And that is, in a way, the purpose of the book, to tell people, hey, you are still contributing to society. Keep on going. Every day is a, is a treasure. And don't miss opportunities. 
Because for me, uh, Brother Pat, each time one does a service of love to someone, it's really like getting a treasure in heaven because Jesus told his disciples that we shouldn't seek treasures on earth, but we should seek treasures in heaven. And these treasures in heaven are actually nothing else but a kind word, a service of love to anyone who you meet. Let's talk about finding peace, Johan. I I would love to. You know, for most people, there comes a time when we realize that our days are really drawn to an end. We all wish to die peacefully, but how do we find this peace? You know, uh, Jesus said to his disciples, peace I give you, not as the world gives. So there are two pieces, the peace of the world, the peace of Jesus. And for us younger and more energetic people, we have to help older people who are really facing the end to find this, to find this peace. And it is a time really to um, remove old hurts or, or past grudges that are deeply buried in someone's subconscious, but they're still there separating us from people. We can choose to let these sleeping dogs lie, or we can choose to confront them. So, Brother Pat, isn't it our duty to help someone to remove these obstacles so that they can joyfully look forward to God's kingdom when the big moment comes and Jesus appears and and, and takes us to, to, to his glory. And with other words, there is always something to do for your fellow men. And I hope and pray that my book is a real inspiration to the reader. The book is called Rich in Years, Finding Peace and Purpose in a Long Life. Uh, Johann Christoph Arnold is the author and our guest. Uh, now we move to the ninth topic, Johann. It's called Saying Goodbye. Uh, wh- what's happening in this chapter? You know, that is the issue, the issue that when death is really approaching might be the same day or a few days. So as we near death, There are always practical matters to attend to, but we should not let these distract us. After all, the close of life is a time to turn our hearts to spiritual and eternal uh, matters. Um, And in this chapter, Brother Pat, I'm trying to caution people, trying to prolong their life through artificial means like being on a respirator or, or what, whatever it is, because it is never how long we live, but how we live. There is a moment, there simply is a moment when it is time to go, and we should not be afraid to go because Jesus is waiting for us. There is a time for each of us to go, And simply accepting that can bring us and our loved ones much peace, most likely more than an an additional few weeks of life would. And, Brother Pat, I've experienced that again and again, that people who lived with that faith until God took them, they died peacefully, and you could see the expression of peace on their face it radiated, and in that sense became an inspiration at the wake when people came from the neighborhood, you know, to pay their last respects to see the deceased one have a face of peace radiating from him. And that is an inspiration. Now we go to the tenth topic, continuing on, you write about. What's happening here? Yeah, what is happening is, you know, Brother Pat, some of the most touching moments I've had as a pastor took place when someone who was losing a spouse after marriage of 40, 50, or even 60 years 
to help these people, uh, to, you know, to find out what a deep faith these people have, um, and and that this faith kept them to kept them together. That is um, that is a real inspiration. You know, we live in a time where uh, the family and marriage is disintegrating, and it is amazing. You still find people that are together anywhere between 40, 60 to 70 years. Um, and we need to thank God. You know, I found people who, who had difficult lives. You know, they they had suffering, that hardship. They survived the Great Depression, while others were veterans in foreign wars. When you've experienced so much together, it's no wonder that the surviving spouse, when then one one dies, is affected. You know, um, I just my wife was just diagnosed with a serious um, cancer mm. and went had to go through very very intense radiation and chemotherapy, and then a big surgery. And brother Pat, that turned our lives upside down. We thought we had experienced everything and then all of a sudden this came out of the blue and if we ever prayed we prayed not only once, uh, we prayed five, ten, twenty times and kept on praying and Brother Pat uh, prayers were answered and many here in the neighborhood, friends and acquaintances they also prayed for us, and we can really testify to the power of prayer. God answers prayers. We just have to be patient. He answers it in his time and not in our time. And so um, being able to stand by a widow or widower after losing a beloved one is also a real, real privilege. And what is then important is that the widow or widower tells the life story of their beloved one to the younger generation, also also as an inspiration that here lived a real role model that, that can uh, bring purpose to someone younger. And, and when that happens, it is really very... Very beautiful. My guest has been Johan Christoph Arnold. We have more after this. Stay with us on the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour, WTLN, AM 950 in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Are you a mentor of young pastors? Hi, Bill Files here. You've heard me talk about half-price tuition. Now we have a great new program where pastors seeking a master's degree in divinity, biblical studies, or theology can purchase tuition to seminary in Central Florida at half price. No catch, no kidding. If you or someone you mentor could benefit from our half-price tuition program for master's degree programs in seminary, I hope you'll give me a call. 407-618-1760. Or visit our website, WTLN.com, and click on Amazing Radio Deals. Master's degrees in divinity, biblical studies, or theology at seminary in Central Florida at half price. Tell a friend about this incredible opportunity for first-year master's degree students. Half-price tuition, now for Seminary. Financing is now available for seminary half-price tuition. Go to AmazingRadioDeals.com for details. I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the Total Transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free. 
limited number of free programs available. Call now, 1-800-801-9691. 1-800-801-9691. That's 1-800-801-9691. 1-800-801-9691. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. On the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Johann Christoph Arnold, our guest in that first half hour from uh, his home in upstate New York. We go to San Francisco. Micah Boyette is with us. We're talking about her book, Found, a story of questions, grace, and everyday prayer. Worthy is the publisher. Uh, Micah, I'm glad you can join me, and uh, I'm eager to talk to you. Great. Well, I'm so excited to be here, Pat. Thanks for having me. Tell me about this title, Found, A Story of Questions, Grace, and Everyday Prayer. What's that mean? You know, I think that found has a lot of different meanings. Um, I think when I set out to write this book, I was, I was trying to find prayer. I was trying to find God in this new way, in, like, in this new moment of my life. Um, I had just become a mom, and I was really struggling with, having a spiritual life. And, uh, and, and as I went into the process of the story that, that I tell in this book of, of studying the Benedictines and, and trying to revolve my, my ordinary day around prayer, um, I think I kind of come to a point in the story where I realized it's not really me finding God. It's God finding me. In, in my life, in my ordinary day. And, um, and so I think that it, it sort of holds a lot of different meanings. There's that lost to sound element. There's the, the idea of me finding God, but I think mostly of me discovering that God has always been finding me and is finding me right now. What is Benedictine prayer, and how would you say Benedictine prayer is different from the prayers we usually hear or speak in evangelical church circles? You know, I don't think there's necessarily a way of prayer that is Benedictine. Um, I, and for most of us in the evangelical church, we, we, we don't usually think a lot about monasticism and monks and um, and, and all the, the the stuff that goes into that and the background of, of why monks first started living together and how that all started. Um, but but the Benedictines, I I came to because I was uh, re, I I was in a point where I was so stressed with my life and overwhelmed um, by being a mom and trying to work and feeling like I just couldn't. I couldn't do anything right. I couldn't do anything wholeheartedly. Um, and I was reading a book called The Cloister Walk by Kathleen Norris. It's a, it's a memoir that was written in the 90s. And I came to it just kind of randomly. I had read it before. Um, and it was when I was a new mom. And I read the preface. And she was talking about the, it's, the book is her spending time with these Benedictine monks, and she refers to the Benedictines as as always believing there's enough time in each day for work and study and rest and play, and and I I just remember feeling so drawn to this idea that like I there there may be a way for me to not be a failure here, there may be a way for there to be enough time in my life, and I wasn't really sure what that could mean. And I thought, well, maybe the Benedictines, you know, have some secret sauce here. Um, there, there's some way that they've figured out how to make there be enough time for, for, for me to, to do these things that I'm passionate about and be a good mom and be a good friend and have a relationship with God. And, and so I, I just started to read about them. Um, and what I found was less a, as you know, I came into reading the Rule of Saint Benedict, which was written in around 600 AD when he founded the Benedictines and just this rule of monastic thought and life. Um, and what I found was less like this is how you pray Benedict in a Benedictine way, but more of a 
a sense of faith and and um, grace in the way that we approach our days, in the way that we approach God, and how prayer can have a lot more room in it. And and I don't know if that makes sense, Pat. I but I it it really became less for me of I'm going to stop praying this way and I'm going to start praying, praying this way. Um, and more of, I'm going to begin to believe that, that I can connect with God right now as I, as I change my kid's diaper and as I'm standing at the playground and as I'm you know, talking to my friend here or that, that God is not waiting for me to show up in this hyper-spiritual way uh, that's impressive, but that, but that in the same way that the monks come to God in this very rhythmic, we, you pray in the morning, you pray in midday, you, you pray in the afternoon, you pray at night. Like I could start to come to God in a much more simple, rhythmic way and believe that, that God is healing for me and I'm loved and there's grace for me in this. In your book, uh, we've got uh, eight parts. The first part is called Vigils, Midnight, Prayer in the Darkness, Keeping Watch, Stillness. Uh, what are you teaching us there? Um, you know, this book is a memoir. And, and so it's a story of, of where I start and where I end up. And in some ways, I start in a place that is dark. And desperate, and 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 in some ways, I end up in a place that is a lot more wholehearted and a lot more um, hopeful. Um, but I don't necessarily think that it is like here's the beginning of my very dramatic story, and and at the end, I'm healed. <laughs> and you know, I don't think it's necessarily. I think it's circular, and um, and that's why I like the idea. I ordered the book by the prayers that a Benedictine monk prays um, in the day. And these are the, actually, just to, to tell you how it works, <laughs> there, there are, the Benedictine monks these days pray, do not have eight times of prayer in the day. They have a little less. Um, but this is the way that St. Benedict set it up in, in 600 AD, um, these times of prayer. So I, I start at vigils. And this is midnight prayer. And when Saint Benedict, um, when Saint Benedict ordered his monastery, they they had a time of prayer where they woke up in the middle of the night and they prayed together, and then they went back to bed. And in in that time of prayer, when they would pray the psalm, um, but it was a time of being aware that there were people suffering in the night. There were people who were grieving. There were women who were in labor. There was. There, there were people who were not asleep because, because there was tragedy. And, um, and so, you know, I kind of come into each of these parts of my book with that being a metaphorical undertone, um, you could say. I, so I start out the book in midnight um, where I'm looking in the darkness. It feels like the darkness. Um, but I'm looking to to rediscover God in this time where it feels overwhelming and alone. Second topic, Lauds, Dawn, Prayer at the First Light of Daybreak, Hopefulness. Hmm. Yeah, um, well, you know, you go into the next, the, the monks would go to bed at night, they would wake up. And they would, the first thing that they would do was gather together. And there's a, uh, there's something that the monks still practice called the great silence, where they don't speak between the time of, of prayer. Um, prayer 8 is called Compline. And, and when they pray at that time before they go to bed at night, they don't speak out loud until that that time of quietness is broken with prayer at, at Lodge, um, that first prayer in the morning. 
And um, and the first thing that they pray is a verse from the Psalms, Oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. And and you know, this as I as I go through the story, um, this second part uh, is is me just beginning to I in the first part of the book I, I go to visit a monastery um, in hopes that there's gonna be some kind of God's going to break through. I'm going to find some answer to my prayerlessness and a way to come to God that's new. And and this is lots of just those, that small glimmer of light that I'm I'm just beginning to to pursue prayer in this new way. And for me, that meant reading the Psalms and and trying to pray the Psalms. I. I had gotten to a point where I felt I grew up in an evangelical culture. I grew up um, knowing Jesus in my my whole life, um, but I think I had come to a place where I had depended so much on my own my own impressiveness spiritually that when I got to this point in my life, um, I had I had been in youth ministry, then I had my son, and then my husband and my son and I moved to San Francisco and I left ministry um, and my son was a year old and I, I just began to feel like my identity was gone. And, and I think that as over time I've realized that so much of my identity was being special in some way spiritually. Like I was a person in ministry. I was, I, I could tell myself that I was important. Um, and when I got to San Francisco and lost that sense of identity and lost that sense of community, I began to realize that I had this view of my time with my son as being just ordinary. And all of a sudden, my life was ordinary. And what did that mean? And... Um, and I had a lot of questions and a lot of doubt, um, and I think that was a lot that was behind my prayerlessness too. And and I think I began to find um, during this section of in, called Lauds when I began to pray the Psalms the same way that the Benedictines do, I began to find in the Psalms the freedom to be honest about those things to be honest about my doubt, to be honest about my grief, to be honest about um, my fear. And and here it was in the Bible, um, somebody else saying the words that I was really feeling towards God. And um, and so I, I think that passage, you know, this is a, it's, it's a story, so it's a lot of my um, talking about how I got to this point. But... Um, I think that's a major theme of of coming that I came to the Psalms and the Psalms gave me permission to to tell the truth in prayer. And now I want you to talk about the third part, prime, second morning prayer, returning to the work of God, repetition. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of themes of repetition in this book. Uh, the the prayers of the monks are circular, just like our lives are circular. They, you know, I, we have, I have this book, as I said, ordered by the prayers of the day for the, the monks. So these are the same, the monks are going to come to this prayer time every day, and they're going to come back to it again. They, you know, modern-day monks, Benedictines, will circle through the, psalm, the entire book of Psalms um, in about two weeks of meeting together and praying. So they pray those psalms a lot. And um, and it's it's doing the same thing every day. And as a mom of little kids, I, I mean, it's like the monotony is your life. You you make the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You pack the lunch. You change the diaper. You put their clothes on. You brush their teeth. You play the game. You know, everything is, is this repetition. And at the same time, it's not repetition. Because six months from now, I'm going to look at my kids, and they are going to be bigger, and they're going to be older, and they are going to have changed. And and so there's this ongoing balance of 
of ordinary life is this daily uh, circle of what we do and these mundane tasks that we do as humans who live. But at the same time, God is in it, in time, and pushing through that. And and we got to take Michael. We got to take a break. We'll be back right after these messages. It's the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour, WTLN AM nine fifty. Michael Boyette, our guest. Stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new nine fifty WTLN. Strength. Know-how, pride in performance, integrity. These are qualities that are necessary to build a quality building. They are also the qualities that in today's world are so difficult to find. The Nemo Group is a general contractor that will not disappoint you. The Nemo Group is a local construction company built on the timeless principles of strength, quality, reliability, and integrity. Over 45 years of experience building in Florida, a team of professionals with different specialties, a track record of successful local projects. The Nemo Group, spelled N-Y-M-O, is dedicated to getting your project right and done on time. Renovations, new construction, remodeling. The Nemo Group can handle all of your construction needs. Don't take a chance on second-rate results when you can get your job done right the first time with the Nemo Group. Find out more online at thenemogroup.com. That's N-Y-M-O group.com. The Nemo Group is a member of the Orlando Tithe Network. This is the actual voice of someone who reported software piracy. What steps did you take? Well, the first thing I did in my particular case was to report it to the management of the company. I went to them directly. And then when they failed to act, I contacted the BSA, went to their website, reviewed everything, and then made a confidential report. If your company copies software illegally, report it confidentially to BSA, the Software Alliance, and you may be eligible for a cash reward. Go online and input nopiracy.org or call one no piracy your health care is in jeopardy. Even if you have employer-provided insurance, your plan and even your job could be affected by the new health care law. Best-selling author Betsy McCoy's all-new book, Beating Obamacare 2014, has the latest information about what options you may have to protect your health care and possibly lower your premium. A special offer is yours if you log on today. BeatingObamacare2014.com. We'll let you sample the first chapter free. That's BeatingObamacare2014.com. Listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. My guest is Micah Boyette from San Francisco. Her new book is called Found A Story of Questions, Grace, and Everyday Prayer. Micah, I want you to talk in the fourth part about terse, mid morning prayer, blessing the work of our hands, a reminder of the Spirit's nearness. Yeah, um, the mid-morning prayer um, is is something that we come to the monks come to after they have been working, and um, and monks have actual jobs and that they do during the day while while they're not together praying. Um, and uh, this this section of the book is uh, just me beginning to to have some encounters with God. Um, that make me recognize a lot of how I've, I've had some, on, some ongoing lies in my head, um, some things that are telling me that I am not as important anymore because I'm a stay-at-home mom or that, um, that I didn't do this, I, I, that my life wasn't as valuable because I didn't go do something really dramatic for God in the world. Um, and... And so, you know, as I said, it's a memoir, so it's it's an ongoing story here of um, of people speaking into my life, and and it just my it's a memoir about ordinary days. So, <laughs> there's, you know, it's hard for me to just say this is what happens here, um, but but yeah, move, moving through this story. Let's get to part five: okay. sext midday prayer. The hour of light, vision, healing. Yeah, uh, the the quote on that that chapter heading 
comes from Paula Darcy. It says, God comes to us disguised as our life. And, and I really love that idea that, that it's our ordinary life where God is showing up. And, um, and are we going to see him? Are we going to notice? Um, this section is, is the, a, a time when I realized that I am pregnant with my second baby. Um, and I'm starting to meet with a spiritual director who is challenging me on the ways that I see God. Um, there's this moment where I, I meet with her and I'm telling her, and this may not be in this section, but I'm telling her that I am, um, I am, I'm pregnant, I'm overwhelmed, I'm exhausted. And she is, I'm sitting with her praying and she asked me to, to look at myself as having a harness on me, um, as if I'm a horse. And, and so I'm kind of imagining myself there with this harness on me, and I'm striving and striving to pull this cart behind me. And, and she says to me, Micah, you're not the horse. And, and I want you to look behind you. And, and in my imagination, I look behind me. And she says, Jesus is not the carriage driver who's, who's whipping you, who's, who's forcing you to work, to work hard and impress him and pull him along. And, and she asked me to, to just allow Jesus to come down to me and remove this harness from my neck and, and asked me if I'll make the choice to sit down beside him and, and to stop trying so hard to pull this thing that maybe I, I never was intended to pull. Um, and, and that's the story of, I mean, this is, as I, I'm working through this, this time of being pregnant, this time of being exhausted and going into part six and, and none mid afternoon prayer. Um, it, it quotes this, from Esther DeWall, who writes a lot about Benedictine thought, we all stand in need of healing. We are all seeking wholeness. And and as I go into part six, I begin to speak after this idea of wholeheartedness. What does it mean to live fully, fully aware that God loves me and God is here in this moment? And I am loved and I can love people. Because I've been, because I've been given this gift of of knowing God and experiencing God, and and that's kind of the process that that part five and part six take us through. Part six says none mid afternoon prayer wisdom yielding to the spirit gratitude. Anything to say there? Yeah, you know, I I, I really think that there is. There is, I think, wisdom and gratitude right there beside each other and the Spirit. I think the biggest things that, one of the biggest things I learned as I wrote this story and as I lived this story was that those three things are really connected. Gratitude is where prayer starts. And, and, and yielding to the Holy Spirit, beginning to know and trust and listen to the Spirit in our everyday lives, um, begins with gratitude. I think there's, there's just this, that that's really where prayer begins in recognizing what God is doing in front of us. And, and I, I found for myself that, that, that the moments when I feel like I can't pray, what I can do is be grateful. And for the smallest, least consequential, consequential things in front of me, I can be grateful. And that is what draws me in to the spirit. And that is also where wisdom begins. So I think the more that you live out of gratitude, the more you begin to see the world as it really is, that it's desperately beautiful and, you know, heartbreakingly broken. And God's here in the midst of it healing. Here's part seven, Micah. Vespers, mm-hmm. Vespers, evening prayers, mm-hmm. grace and mystery, peace and awareness. Vespers is the 
is the time um, when the sun is setting, right? And and all this work for the day that that we've been we've been going through. This is a moment to remember that uh, that there is grace for us where we failed. There is um, there is hope for us for what we still have to do, and that God is faithful. The sun rises and the sun sets, right? And um, and I, you know, this this is part seven of eight parts, and um, this is where my story is kind of coming to coming to that circular conclusion of recognizing that I I do have something to offer. Um, in terms of ministry, as somebody who left ministry and came back, I, I, am, I lead this group of girls, and that kind of happens through the story. Um, and this is where it sort of you begin to see in the story of these relationships I have with these, um, these women in their mid-20s who are also struggling with the same kinds of questions, doubt about their faith, um, questions about their value, and is their value based on their work? Um, and and as I began to speak to them, I began to see that to learn what I'm actually that I'm changing, that that I see myself with a lot more grace than I ever did before, and and I recognize God's love for me in a way that I didn't before, um, and and I think I began to kind of see where those doubts in me may not ever be taken away, but but I, I can find hope even in the mystery of not solving them and, um, and in the mystery of being able to love other people and care for them. Well, I can't thank you enough, Micah. Your book is terrific. Found a story of questions, grace, and everyday prayer. Worthy the publisher, and I uh, wish you all the very best. Continued success, and uh, again, a million thanks for joining me. Great. Well, thank you so much, Pat. I really appreciate being able to be here today. Micah Boyette, uh, our guest from San Francisco, talking about her book, Found. And uh, we've got to wrap up right after this. Uh, it's the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour, WTLN AM 950. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Are you a mentor of young pastors? Hi, Bill Files here. You've heard me talk about half-price tuition. Now we have a great new program where pastors seeking a master's degree in divinity, biblical studies, or theology can purchase tuition to seminary in Central Florida at half price. No catch, no kidding. If you or someone you mentor could benefit from our half-price tuition program for master's degree programs in seminary, I hope you'll give me a call. 407-618-1760. Or visit our website, WTLN.com, and click on Amazing Radio Deals. Master's degrees in divinity, biblical studies, or theology at seminary in Central Florida at half price. Tell a friend about this incredible opportunity for first-year master's degree students. Half-price tuition, now for seminary. Financing is now available for seminary half-price tuition. Go to AmazingRadioDeals.com for details. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Well, thank you so much for joining us here this weekend on the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. Uh, we do it every weekend on WTLN. Always thrilled when you join us. Uh, please visit my website. It's patwilliams.com, patwilliams.com, the Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. Uh, please check out my latest book. It is called The Mission is Remission, Hope for Battling Cancer. HCI is the publisher. The book is in bookstores now or up on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, if you've got any history of cancer in your family, uh, I hope the book will be of value to you. And our thanks to Johann Christoph Arnold, our first guest, talking about Rich in Years. And then Micah Boyette joined us from San Francisco 
uh, talking about her book with worthy publishers called Found. Have a great day tomorrow with your family in church and uh, have a wonderful week ahead as we continue to enjoy this great Florida weather here in the month of March. Uh, God bless all of you, and uh, we'll be back next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason. The new 950 WTLN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.